So I think around this theme for the afternoon of caring for other people is um, it's never too soon to practice. <laughs> so um, if you're not caring for somebody, there are lots of organizations that you can join and learn about caregiving and receive the many gifts that come from caregiving. Most hospice organizations have hospice volunteers, including Zen Hospice Project, um, where people are either uh, visit a location where there's lots of hospice people in the community or they're paired with people and go into homes and visit with people. Um, so these opportunities are out there if you want them. At Zen Hospice Project, we have about 85 volunteers who uh, do five-hour shifts from 9 in the morning till 10 at night, 9 to 2 or 1 to 6 or 5 to 10. And our volunteers go through about 40 hours of training first. Most of that training is not in medical care, but is training about being present and being comfortable with death and dying and how to accompany people when you don't know what's going to happen. And then our volunteers um, do things like sit with people or help them eat or read the newspaper or watch TV or take somebody on an outing. Our volunteers at our house on Page Street cook and clean and do laundry. Uh, At Laguna Honda, our volunteers don't cook or clean. They do more um, sitting, watching TV, reading, talking, that kind of thing. Uh, Our uh, place on Page Street is under renovations. We're getting ready to renovate starting this fall. And our volunteer program is for people with a spiritual practice, which makes us different than other hospices. Uh, the people that join us, most of them are Buddhists or have a contemplative practice, and this is um, because that's the main way that we integrate the work and think about the work and hold the work. So sometimes people will come and say, I want to do this, and we'll say, that's great. Now, would you go join a meditation group for a year and then please come back? And then we also ask people who've had a recent loss to wait a little bit before they join us. It's very hard to be present for somebody else when you're in your own grieving process. Or if you're getting married and planning a big wedding. Or if you've just had a baby. You know, if you're in major transition, it's, it's not always the best time to do caregiving work. And then we have uh, our volunteers come to a monthly meeting where we usually have a, a Dharma teacher or a medical professional come in and teach some aspect of caregiving or we look at this intersection between spiritual practice and the Dharma and caring for the dying. So we might be looking at metta, loving kindness, but really applying it to the situations that we find ourselves in at the bedside. Or we might have a doctor come in and talk about um, pain management and medicine so that we really understand what's happening for people that we care for. After we renovate our house, uh, we will be licensed to go into people's homes. Till now, we've just been a residence. And this is really good news because the Dharma is spreading in Northern California, in case you hadn't noticed. And that's great. And then I think we're all going to want maybe a Buddhist hospice to come in if we have the choice, you know. Wouldn't it be great to have a Buddhist hospice come join you? Yeah, you know. Also, Zen Hospice Project does events like this, public work, T 
teaching lectures. So if you sign the uh, contact list on that back table, I'll put you on our mailing list and our email list, and you'll be hearing from us, me in particular. It won't say love Jennifer at the bottom, but if it's a lecture or a talk or a class, you can know that I cooked it up or and making it happen. Please. Uh, they vary. They vary. This is the first time we've done something at IMC. Actually, that's not true. We did a talk in May with Norman Fisher in the evening. And then we did today. And then Gil's going to ask me, how did it go? And I'm going to say it went great. I think we should do it again. Please. In your training, um, like in my position, um, my mother, I, I foresee her passing. And so I want to get prepared to do the caregiving or being with her, whatever, and possibly then doing that in another time. So if someone wanted to come for training, is it specifically they have to commit right away to going to San Hospice, but what if something would come up like family? Right. So um, you can learn a lot through our series of lectures and workshops. Mm-hmm. You know, it's happened several times a year, mm-hmm. which is different than to do it a lot directly. So um, there have been people that have trained with us for a year and just serendipitously their loved one gets sick and they leave us to go and and care for them and are pretty grateful that they've had some training with us. If somebody knows it's going to be within the next three to six months, then we say no because we need a year-long commitment from people. Um, uh, Gil and I also have been exploring about how to set up some training here at IMC. You know, I'm happy to do that. Um, I also, and so you got to tell them you want that. You know, like if you want that, I would would come here three times a year and, and do more work with you. Um, I also know that here on Wednesdays, there's a, two support groups that happen at the same time. One is for caregivers and one people who are sick and dying. It's led by Jim Bronson and Mick Bennett. And I looked for it in the newsletter on the table during the break and I didn't see it. So I don't know how to tell you what time that group is. Do you know? It's either 1 or 1.30. Okay, on Wednesdays. Right. Yeah, on yeah. Wednesday. 1.30, thank you. So if you're somebody who's living with illness, there's a group for you. And if you're somebody that's a caregiver, there's a support group there for you. And I understand those are very helpful. You know, It includes some meditation and some topic for discussion and some just checking in on how's it going. You know, um, you know if I was to come back here, I could see doing um, more work on uh, advanced directives and these precise Preparations around the end of life, you know, getting your paperwork in order or things that uh, need to be decided. Um, there's a, a meditation on contemplating your death, you know, so there's, there's more that we can kind of cook up together for sure if you're interested. Um, I also, I'm sorry, missed a little bit of this afternoon, but what I'm also finding a real challenge in the prospect of caregiving is the dynamics of the family who do not have a spiritual practice yes. and are angry or resistive or blaming or everything 
that's not helping. I know. And then there's that precept about not killing. Yeah. I know. It would be easier just to get rid of them. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so bad. Um, Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, exactly. Just snuff them out. Um, You know, um, boy, nothing aggravates the worst family dynamics than a crisis. There's something about a crisis that people revert to kind of their just safest, strangest behaviors. You know? Present company included. Just, you know, people are, you know, if they have a tendency to ignore things, they ignore even more. Or if they're controlling, they want to control more. Or if they're critical, you know, it just... Because people are grieving. There's something called anticipatory grief. You know, so people are already incapacitated. They're not at their best because of all the feelings of sadness or fear or anger or their bargaining. You know, we see people wrestling with the medical professionals like, one more treatment for my mother. I know if we did more chemo, you know, and the the physician is saying, it's not going to do anything. And then the nurse is saying, if you do more chemo, I think your mom's not going to make it. But there's one family member that's just... You know, it gets really kind of hell-bent, and it's, it's very, very difficult. It's very, very difficult. There's no one answer. Um, and uh, it's, that's the reason that prior discussion is helpful. You know, as somebody once said, it's, you don't dig the well when the house is on fire. You know, so any kind of conversation or decision-making is really helpful. Um, and then also just some real patience and acceptance like, okay, this is going to be difficult. We're not going to get along. We're not going to be the Brady Bunch, you know. Um, and uh, for most people that are in those situations, I recommend some individual counseling so they have a place to process their experience of the death or dying and the family dynamic and get some real concentrated support, you know, for, for my process within this system, you know, because I naturally look to my sister or the other parent or what have you, and if that's just not there, it's it's much more painful. Um, And then also, um, we joke at the hospice sometimes, a family member will say, well, I think my mother needs more morphine. She's in pain. You know, and we think to ourselves, you need the morphine. You know? know? Uh, it's just it's just hard to witness, you know, and we're not seeing it enough in day to day life. It's being hidden. You know, back in the day we saw a lot of it. I saw a hand. You've got a hand there. Yeah, please. Mention in response to that, I had a surprising, and may not apply to your circumstance, um, experience when my mother passed. Um, before that, I. I wasn't allowed to speak of my spiritual practice in the house. It was like, you know, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to hear about that stuff kind of attitude. I was, you know, very polarized over that kind of thing. But in the in the vulnerable time of my mother actually getting sick and dying, suddenly there was a, this opening happened totally to my surprise that, 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 uh, what I had to say or, or offer was really needed and um, and su- surprisingly welcomed. And it, 
it just flipped the whole situation. It was a huge healing in the family that occurred. Um, So um, all endings are arbitrary. We could keep talking and exploring this together because this is a great mystery and there's a lot. But it's getting close to four and we said we would end at four o'clock. And I like to end on time. So I'm going to move us along to an ending exercise. Okay? Great. And I'm happy to stick around and talk with people one-on-one about Zen Hospice or about questions you have. Um, And if you have a question tomorrow, take my card or your materials have our website on it. You'll find me on the website and you can write me. Okay? But you'll have to say, I was the woman in purple, so I remember who you are. Or I was the man who mentioned pet death and decision making, and then I'll remember who you are. So in this bowl are um, questions. These are transition questions. And they're a great way for us to end our day. And I'd like you to answer the question to the group with the microphone in two sentences without commas or colons. (laughs) Two short sentences without too many commas or semicolons. Okay. So we're going to do this. Because we could also spend hours just telling everybody what the day was like for us, but I don't have the energy for that. (laughs) But I do want to hear from each of you a little bit about what the day was like. So answer the question that you draw out of the bowl before you pass the bowl. Here we go. We're good? Oh, great. I get to go first. Um, what did you learn about love? Wow. That that the opportunities to love abound, and that's something I need to remember. You can keep your question. What surprised you? Um, As a nurse, I've been dealing with death. As a person, I lost the closest person in my life when I was 18, who was my older sister very suddenly. Mm -hmm. And what surprised me is how much I continue to learn every time I delve deeper into this whole subject. Thank you. This says what surprised you. <laughs> oh, let's see. I, I think what surprised me is how um, how natural this can be. 
-hmm. how uh, non-extraordinary and um, how much kind of uh, acceptance and going with there is involved in really showing up for someone who is sick and dying. Thank you. Uh, What did you learn about love? Well, that, that, that is, love is all there is, really, for yourself and others. And how to demonstrate that is more clear a little bit. And the thing that kind of sort of knocked me in the head a bit was that, that, that I, I would like to treat people now before they're dead or dying, the way that these papers suggest and so forth, that feels like love to me. Mm. That, that is the potential and possibility of being supported in doing that is greater now than it feels felt like. Because love is, is all there is, you know? Thank it, you. Authentic and real and all that. What inspired you? Um, I, I, for me, it's an inspiration to hear about Zen hospice. Mm. I've worked with death and dying in hospice for years, but I love the idea of combining a spiritual practice with the service of helping people who are dying. And I, it, it's, it's so heartwarming to me to hear the stories of how you care for the body after somebody dies and are comfortable in keeping the body at home. I mean, it's just wonderful to hear that. And uh, I wish everybody could understand and know about those practices because I think it would really help, too. So thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, What inspired you? I worked with the Living Dying Project for 10 years, mostly working with uh, guys dying of AIDS. And it's so heartwarming uh, to be in this environment again. I've missed it. Thank you. You're welcome. The question is, what challenged you? And I thought the birthday exercise where um, you're once again separated from people, I find that, um, that challenging. What challenge? What challenged you? Um, thinking about this process in relationship to my present situation. What did you learn about love? I think how all-encompassing it is. Um, Just this day, I think, was a gift of love from you to us. Thank you. What surprised you? 
it was the depth of the sharing, the individual sharing and the group sharing uh, with the people I don't know. It just seemed like people were touching deep inside of themselves. Uh, what challenged you? Um, challenged me just to be here today. Um, and um, the exercise, I think, was the birth birthday exercise was a, was a big challenge. And so it had a surprising end for me. Thank you. What did you learn about love? I learned that love can overcome guilt. Don't wait, and it's never too late. <coughs> what surprised you? Um, <coughs> I think for me, feeling um, the sadness that this topic brings up and and at the same time enjoying this day tremendously at the same time surprised me what did you learn about love um, a deepened understanding of the relationship between compassion and love um, at times it's hard for me to distinguish between them what inspired you I think death is often a hard topic because of the isolation in which we deal with it and openness and discussion such as this workshop really makes it feel more natural and less scary and that is really a blessing so thank you What did you learn about love? I think I learned again that contemplating death is a really a doorway to love. It deepens the need to not wait and to love now, like she was saying, to live the precepts now and not leave anything un- unhandled. Opportunities missed. I have what surprised you. I think I'm surprised at how enjoyable I found this day and how um, you, other people have said how you can hold this topic with um, sort of lightness and gentleness without being off somehow that there's a way of holding it that's that can be very healthy and uplifting and spacious what inspired you the depth of the application of what we're uh, learning here to situations that most of us avoid and fear and that there is a space in the community that we can actually practice this and make it real and help others in situations that um, really require a great deal of inspiration. Uh, 
What surprised you? I think um, uh, my emotion at the time when I left the group and went to the stage, and I believe it was connected to the loss of my mother, What inspired you? Um, the collective uh, consciousness of the group and the presence of the group and the experiential exercises inspired me. What challenged me? Um, well, I continue to be challenged by trying to figure out um, the meaning of my wife's recent death. And um, I'll do it too. Mine says, what challenged you? Um, I think what challenges me um, is to... to both offer these ideas and experiences and integrate where people go with it, you know. So how much uh, stories come forward and how to hold those stories. Um, because every time that I do this, it's, it's different. You know, it's not the same. And so I find that very exciting, challenging in a good way, really kind of fun. So thank you for your reflections and your participation. Um, uh, I've totally enjoyed being here uh, and I hope that um, this day enriches your life and um, as is the tradition um, in the Dharma I'd like to acknowledge that we have generated merit by our coming together I like to think that we have spun gold by being attentive and caring and reflective. And so um, let us take this gold and bring it out into the world and share it with all who are in need, um, be they near or far. And also uh, let us remember that um, as we drive home, we are passing homes where people are sick and dying. I worked as a... Uh, chaplain out in the field and I don't drive anywhere anymore without wondering how many people are homebound you know um, and let us also um, dedicate some of this merit to the people mentioned here today who are sick and dying or those who have died and for those of us present who are grieving and remembering people okay so all directions always all good merit and then um if you can make a donation, that's great. And uh, if you have questions, see me.
Thank you.